The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. The Balls and Strikes podcast is brought to you by Elkhorn Training Camp. Let's have some fun and play ball. Here's your host, Tom Oldham. Welcome back to the Balls and Strikes podcast. I am your host, Tom Oldham. I am joined by Alex Hale and John Oltman. And today we are going to be talking about catching. And we are focusing these episodes on uh, tips and practical applications for youth coaches. So, Alex, I'm going to start with you. When we're talking about catching specific to the youth level, what are some things that uh, you look for in youth catchers besides can they catch the ball? So, honestly, number one is ball security. Ball security, keeping the ball off the backstop because that keeps the game going. It keeps everybody in play. It keeps them their attention. It's a huge part of the game. Um, if you can't catch it, you can't throw it. So, ball security is number one. Um, you have to have your athletes back there, whether it's I mean, in, in, in youth balls, catcher, short, first base, center field, need to be your four best athletes. And that's one of the biggest ways you can save a bunch of headaches. So behind the plate, um, teaching guys how to, how to catch and throw, teaching guys how to get rid of the ball quickly, teaching them proper blocking. And a big thing, my number one thing with catching with youth players is learning safety. So getting them in the right positions to be safe. You can't use your gear if you're turning out of the way and you know running your arm right into it. So you really have to start slow, making sure they understand how to get in the right positions quickly, how to use their gear to protect themselves so they can be aggressive. Because you can't be tough and aggressive if you're wearing balls off the arm and off the side and turning your head and getting hit in the neck. Like, it doesn't matter how tough you are. Like, it's not going to matter. So making sure that you're building them up slowly by getting the, by doing drills that allow them to get in the right positions, whether it's rolling them balls slowly so they can see the ball coming, then get into the blocking position, or they can you throw it like underhand to slowly build up that courage. Because the second you throw a ball overhand to a catcher when he's trying to block is when he's going to tense up and freeze up. So you have to get a ton of reps, much like an infielder, with slowly getting the right footwork so that it becomes their reaction of, okay, here's how I get in the right position where I'm using my gear, I'm in a safe position, I'm centering the ball in my chest when I'm blocking, and now, now I feel like I'm bulletproof. Now, I want, now this is fun. Now this is more exciting. I get it now. And then they want to catch. You get a kid hit a couple times in the wrong, you know, he gets hit in the arm or the neck or the leg, and he's not going to have much fun. And so, so what's, as, if I'm, so this is really resonating with me because we're teaching these nine-year-olds how to catch. What should they be doing with their lower body, with their arms, with their chest, with their head when you're doing these these blocking drills? So when they're, there's going to be three stances. So you have your, your stance to give signals, which is your signal stance. You have your primary, which is a comfortable position. You can kind of shift laterally, as you, we used to call it swaying, when you sway and receive, to center the ball with your, your head and your chest, okay, in order to present the ball to the umpire in the best way possible. We're not changing the pitch. We're just presenting it to them. So we want to be comfortable in our primary stance. That's with nobody on, less than two strikes. You get to two strikes, okay, for youth catchers. This is across the board. Youth catchers need to be in a secondary position where they are ready and anticipating the ball in the dirt or anticipating the runner going. 
because you're going to have guys going a lot. So you need to have your butt up, your toes forward, even slightly staggered. So I'd say your right foot off your left instep, a little bit wider than shoulder width apart. Legs are going to be at a 90 degree angle. If you're lower than that, it's harder to get out of the hole to throw. Okay. If you're higher than that, you're just too high of a target. Put your right hand, your throwing hand, and a fist behind your glove. Okay. That is going to protect you, keep you safe, keep you ready, and make it one more fun, but two, you're going to be in a better position for everything. From there, you're following your hands to the ball, shoot your hands down, get in front of it, feet will kick back, keep it as simple as you can. That's all you have to do. You're going to angle a little bit to the right, you'll angle towards the home plate, to the left, you'll angle towards home plate, but you want to keep it as simple as you can. And really, that's you're not going to be blocking and centering everything at nine years old, but you can keep it closer than like having where the kids are pushing their chest forward and hitting the ball away from them, learning how to kind of let that ball come into you, curve your back a little bit, get overall over top of the ball and really keep it centered. That's all you're trying to teach. So there. you, you talked about uh, making a fist behind the glove. Is that just in the secondary stance? Just in your secondary stance. Cause you want to be ready so to throw if, the ball. And this is yeah, going to so give if you more your grip prim- time. If you're in your primary stance, go ahead and put it behind your ankle. Okay. Cause okay. you want to be nice and relaxed. Okay, you got your armor break. You get a runner on, put it behind your glove. Put it behind your glove um, because you don't want to be bringing your hand up to your glove, and you're going to catch a foul ball off of it. Okay, because you're not going to bring yeah. it up in time. It's going to start getting into no man's land here, and that's with a baseball and a kid. That's a broken hand waiting to happen. For a college and high school player, it's a broken hand waiting to happen. That's how I got my hand broken in college in the summer ball was not having my hand behind my glove, and I was always a hand behind the glove guy, uh, which is part of why I was so quick on throwdowns was because I had plenty of time to get my grip. And by the time my front foot landed, I was ready to let it go. That's perfect. So, okay. So talk about ball security, Got right? Ball. How to position, <laughs> yeah, how to, how to position um, your, yourselves, primary stance, uh, presenting the ball, secondary stance. Mm-hmm. What, what are some other things that you focus on? Let's say at that eight, nine and 10 year old age range. Um, getting in front of home plate, anytime a ball's hit to the outfield, getting in front of home plate, and everybody remembers the Buster Posey play, he didn't have his foot pointed towards third. And that is basically why catchers can't get run over anymore, which used to be kind of a badge of honor thing. Um, so I never liked that we got that taken away. But if he would have not gotten to play shortstop as a kid, like the rest of us catchers didn't, um, who aren't Buster Posey, we, he would have known to have his foot pointed right at third. Okay, so... You're going to be a step off a home plate, so if you need to take a step back to get a better hop, you can. But your foot, no matter where the ball is coming from, left, center, or right, your foot's going to be pointed towards third. So if the runner slides into your leg, you'll fall on him, and you won't get your knee or leg broken. Um, you won't get your knee destroyed or your leg snapped. So that's a really big thing with, our, with catchers, getting them into the right position, letting them know where to be so that they can understand, all right, I know where I need to be on every play. I know what I need to be doing. And when a ball's hit, me being behind home plate does me no good. So once the ball's hit, get in front of home plate. Or if ball's hit and there's nobody on, I'm backing up first every time. It's one of those simple things where it's just catchers always give effort. I always call it like cage catching. But it's catchers always give effort. And so there's always somewhere to be. There's always something to do. Because you are in a position of service. When you put the gear on, it's like Santa Claus. You put the gear on, you put the suit on, you're the big guy. Okay. You put the gear on, you're, you're now, you're the guy. So you got to be back there ready to go. And if you don't, if you don't, 
you're going to make the game harder for yourself and harder for your teammates. So we talk about that. That's we talk great. about communicating whether you're not. Oh, that's the other thing is communication. When whether you're a quiet kid or not, it doesn't matter. When you get behind the gear, behind the plate, and put the gear on, it is time to lead the team. You have to do the job of the catcher. How you do that does not care if you are quiet, if you are loud, but you got to talk. You're the pitcher's best friend. You're his confidant. You're his therapist. Whatever he needs, you're going to do. So if you cannot do that, you need to go play somewhere else. And so if a kid is slow to put on his gear because he's just taking his time, he can't catch for you until he learns that that's not okay. If he can't hustle out and be there for the pitcher, he doesn't get a catch for you until he learns how to do that. If he walks to the ball after he misses it with runners on base, or even if there's not runners on base because the pitcher's standing there waiting for the ball, he cannot catch for you. So you can be very cut and dry on things like that. That makes it simple. So do you think the catcher controls the game or the pitcher controls the game? Catcher controls the game. Through that communication? Well, through the communication and through being there for the pitcher. If the pitcher wants to go slow, the pitcher can go slow. But the pitcher needs to get the ball as soon as he wants it. So yep. your, your pitcher controls the game, but your catcher can ruin that by missing balls, walking to get them, having balls hit off his glove, having balls get away all the time, um, overthrowing the pitcher, all those things, walking onto the field when he should be there to warm him up. Those are things that can really throw off your pitcher, who should be, he may be you know, slated to have a great day, and all of a sudden your catcher throws that off. And mo- I don't know, it depends on if you've had a bad catcher before, but if you've watched a bad catcher or had a bad catcher, it can take a good day, it can turn a, ba- a good day to a very challenging day. Very quickly. Yes. And so you don't want that to happen. And as a catcher, I know I can make a average pitcher throw much better if I'm in it with him, if I'm making everything pop, you know, how I catch it, my glove makes it pop. So he's throwing 65, 75. He throws it, he's throwing 95 because I'm making everything pop. And now he's feeling a little more confident. Now he's going to throw more strikes. Now we're going to get through the lineup maybe one more time. Now he might go through an extra inning or two. All of a sudden everything changes. And – that keeps the defense engaged, so now we're making less errors. That keeps the game going. Okay? And all of that is, it, it's, as much as it's based off the pitcher, the catcher has a lot to do with that. And if he doesn't recognize and take ownership of that, you're going to be in a bad spot. You go to a youth game, watch a catch. There will be catchers you'll see this year at 9U who are going to just ruin the game for their team. And it is painful yeah. to watch. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you said that, and I completely agree with you. I, I think that the catcher controls the pace of the game um, for all the reasons that you said. And when you're, when you're a youth coach, one of the challenging things is figuring out who should catch. So in your opinion, how many catchers should a youth team have, and how do you go about determining who should be a catcher when you, know, you may be coaching a team where nobody's caught before? Well, first you ask who wants to. You got to ask who wants to. If you don't want to catch, don't shouldn't be back there. So you'll usually get five or six kids raise their hand. Then you get them back there for bullpens for a day. Have them, I'll catch bullpens. See who still wants to be back there. So you usually you're down to four or five, and from there you would like to ideally have three guys catch. Um, if they all pitch, you'd like to have four, because you really got to avoid having kids pitch and catch in the same day. I would tell you not to do it at all. I would also mm-hmm. tell you not to do it. And it's, it's, it's tricky, a youth ball, because I would tell you not to have a kid catch at all if he's pitching. If he pitches a whole game, he shouldn't catch. He should be like a reliever, maybe throw a couple innings. But that's, 
that's one of those things because that's tough, man. You can't, you shouldn't be starting a game and then catching multiple games. But a lot of times that catcher has a good arm and you want to get him on the mound. I would tell youth coaches, work with your other pitchers. Whoever you want to catch that championship game, you need to have other pitchers ready to go. Because if that's your only option and he's already caught two that day and your option is to put him out there to throw the third game, uh, you're, you're going to – because now they can link surgeries and stuff back to when they had them, when they were overthrown. And uh, I went – one kid at a prominent high school around here who's going to go to Division One school. The doc told him, he's like, yeah, this happened when you were 10. And he was like, well, now I know who my coach was when I was back, you know, back then. And so uh, I'm glad it wasn't me. But it's, <laughs> you have a lot of responsibility now, man. That's – you got to take care of kids' arms. You know, Absolutely. If, if you can't just throw another guy out there to throw you strikes, you got to do a better job as a coach. So what are, what are some other things as we close this segment that you want to make sure that youth coaches really understand about the catching position? There's a lot of new stuff out there that does not apply to every kid. Um, one, here's the hierarchy of what colleges look for in a catcher. First one is hip flexibility. Number two is ball security. Are you catching the ball? Number three is how you hit. Number four is how you throw. Number five is how you block. Number six is how you command the field. Number seven is your receiving. There's a lot of time being spent on receiving right now. I've had multiple college coaches tell me, I can teach you how to receive when, you're, when you become my starting catcher, which is pretty fair. Um, so there's a lot of time and energy being spent on receiving the way big leaguers are when big leaguers are catching 94 to 95 mile an hour sinkers. And we're reinventing giving a target, not giving a target, getting on a knee, not giving on a knee. Nobody's explaining the eight, nine variations of being on a knee. They're just saying, go on a knee. Why not? Well, what if there's a right-handed batter, left-handed batter, if there's a runner on base, you know, are you in a, are, are you, like, are you in a kickstand stance? You have a leg tucking underneath you. How are you doing it? When are you doing it? Righty, lefty pitching, all kinds of variations. So from there, are you explaining that to them? Are you explaining that if you're in a two-point stance, which is being on your feet versus a knee down, that you should really do one or the other? If you do both, you're actually increasing your chances of wild pitches and pass balls. So guys will go, well, I'll just do both. Okay, that statistically tells you you're going to have more wild pitches and pass balls. So you really want to pick one or the other. Um, also, if you're having trouble getting underneath pitches as a youth coach or as a youth catcher, you probably shouldn't be catching because you're catching like 40 to 50 miles an hour. Like even high school kids, you're catching 70 to 80. You're not catching power sinkers. You don't need to be – you shouldn't be having trouble getting under fastballs. So – and it's limiting your lateral movement, which is going to be what you're going to have t- a tougher time catching. So for receiving purposes, you really got to be careful with when you do it. Because I've seen more kids lose opportunities by balls hitting off their glove because they couldn't get to them, balls hitting the backstop because they're in a knee-down stance, than I have guys go, oh, man, he looks really good back there on the you know, knee-down stance. Like, we're going to take another look at him, or we're going to offer him. And it, it's, it's not going as well as people want to pretend it is rather than teaching a 6'4 major leaguer how to get down on a knee to catch a power sinker guy. That's different. So be conscious of what you're teaching kids. Make sure it's simple, it's easy to understand, because the one knee down thing is very tough for kids to get their head around when to do it, how to do it. Well, I'm on a knee. Am I supposed to be relaxed or am I supposed to be ready to block? Because I don't even know when to block yet. So why am I down on a knee to make it even harder? Um, Well, JT Real Muto does it, (laughs) but that might not be what you need to be doing. Because you don't know how to catch the ball yet, consistently. So, absolutely. And John, I'm going to kick it over to you as we as we wrap up this um, session. You're a left-handed pitcher, so this catching session is perfect for you. But uh, you, so you pitched, and you understand the relationship between a, a pitcher 
and a catcher. Um, what advice would you give catchers on how to establish a really strong relationship with their pitcher? Well, one thing that I do when I communicate, I'm a pitching guy. So whenever I communicate with my pitchers, I always try to involve the catcher as much as I can. Because, well, for one thing, during a game when the bolts are flying, one thing that I can do to slow the game down is I'll have the catcher go out and talk to the pitcher because I don't want to waste a mound visit. Um, but I need to know that the catcher is communicating effectively with the pitcher. And so that I know that anytime I'm having communication with pitchers, whether it's between innings, whether it's during a bullpen, during practice, um, I try to have that catcher around as much as, as I can. And I try to communicate through the catcher as much as I can. So that way I know that when that catcher is working with that pitcher, when they're one-on-one, bolts are flying, mound visit, that they know how to talk to each other. Um, they know what helpful dialogue is in that situation in order to be successful. Um, and it, it gives them more ownership. It gives them, it gives those catchers an opportunity to lead. I think that one thing we have to do as, as coaches is we have to teach players how to be good leaders. And so if a catcher, you know, has to, um, if they have to be this, this, this serviceman or if they have to serve others on the field, like um, Coach Hale said, um, we have to teach them how to do that. And so including them in that, in that dialogue, I think, can be really, really beneficial for both the pitcher and the catcher in those situations. Yeah, that is, that is really, really good advice. Really good advice. John, Alex, thank you guys for coming back on the Balls and Strikes podcast. Uh, next uh, segment, we're going to be talking about fielding. So coaches, make sure that you uh, listen in for that. Guys, appreciate you uh, joining me. Thank you. Appreciate it. Media Production.